0: Uh, send questions your way we'll answer uh, as many as you guys had last time we had a really nice Q&A with you guys I think we went 41 minutes was the top tally which went above and beyond our expectations I'm not saying you need to come up with 41 more minutes of questions no pressure I'm just saying uh, please fire yeah, them away 40 40 like 45 minutes
1: is a YouTube pod so, oh, opinion, opinion on, on booing, booing at,
0: Worlds. at Worlds. Oh, man. See, this is the fun part because this isn't sponsored by anybody. You can pull down the, the sponsor things if you want, Walter, so we can start uh, oh, letting I loose. Care. Yeah, sure. Um,
1: there are no sponsors on this, on people,
0: this people who complain at booing at Worlds can, you know, really need to grow up is what it really comes down to. Welcome to life. Like, every single competitive instance of anything who uh, uses cheering and booing, as universal signs of, we like this team, we don't like that team. It was North America versus Korea. This was the home team versus the away team. You, you know, Samsung didn't get their fifis hurt. They did just fine. People were much bigger babies about it than Samsung ever was. And if you listen to the interviews, Samsung used it as fuel to the flames to make themselves even better because that's what good teams do. That's how you become a truly great team. When you're playing, trust me, I can tell you right now, I coached a team. We got booed in every single one of our games and it only made us happier when we won. We used it as fuel, we used it as motivation, we used it as the idea we wanted to prove everybody wrong and make them cheer for us by the end and that's exactly what Samsung did. And this whole idea that people have, that they're above it all, that this is like this whole, like, oh, it's it's disrespectful, it's immature, it's whatever, that's the same kind of people and the same attitude when people say, "Oh, esports shouldn't be a real thing. It's not, you know, it's not athletic. It's not whatever. It shouldn't be called esports." Like, screw you are not above any of this stuff, people. Just for the record, you should never treat your fellow human beings the behavior they exhibit as being below you or beneath you. That is just such a pretentious way to live your life. Booing is a integral part of fan culture. It's something that people have been doing for for years and years. Now that said, I'm gonna up W has a follow-up. What about N A Crazz being known for not cheering? That needs to get their their shit together. Um, I you know Chicago felt like a ghost town, and I understand that these series all went chalk and people wanted to root for underdogs, but when cool plays happen cheer. I'm going to tell you right now. I don't care if I'm the only person in Madison Square Garden cheering. You guys are going to hear my voice in that stadium. I am going to be going crazy whenever something happens in SKT versus Rocks. And I guarantee you, my cousin who's going to be with me the entire time is going to be cheering just as much. And that's what you should do. You should cheer when you're happy. You should boo when you're frustrated because your team let you down or because the enemy team had a segue. You know, people who were in the stadium pointed out that this was right after they ran a clip about Samsung saying they were going to crush Cloud9. Of course they're going to boo after that. That's the whole point of the promo. If you've ever watched the WWE once in your entire life, you'd know that's how this works. Riot orchestrated that and then had the gall to go out on Twitter and call people out for doing it. I, I found Riot's take on it unnerving. I found individuals' take on it to be, you know, so holier than thou that it really bugged me. Um, I, you know, can, can, I, can I quote Thomas Watts, friend of the podcast, um, really quick? Because he, uh, he follows Alabama football, and he had a Go great ahead. quote. So uh, he said, hey, he had to reach out regarding the booing things. Total sophomoric bullshit peddled by supposed adults who generally haven't had their faces kicked in by life and leveraging that experience in life to try and (laughs) proselytize. Unfortunately, those same people don't realize that the behavior they're trying to change within those people and the way they did it will get a colossal fuck you by those people at large. Thomas, you said it better than I ever could. Do you have anything to add, Walter? I I just went on that rant because I was was genuinely mad, especially with how many people were in the comments uh, in our mentions talking about it. Um.
1: Not you, you, you. Pretty much fucking nailed it, in my opinion. Um, I, I am a huge sports nut. I go to events. Um, I live in upstate New York, so it's all about the Buffalo Bills and about Syracuse Orangemen. I go to five or six Orange men game games a year. Um, I go. To, I went to a Bills game last year. Um, you know, I watch them on TV. I go to high school stuff like. Booing is a part of American sports culture, and anyone who is just like, "Oh, but that doesn't mean it's right," like, "Dude, come on, really, really? This is really what you're gonna hang your hat on and get pissy about this about East is- about what we're bringing over from real sports? Like, really? This is the you're hill getting you pissy about die on. booing? Yeah, this is the hill you want to die on, really, dude. So cheer, just cheer louder than the booze. That's all you have to freaking do. Yeah, all it's- you have to do is just cheer louder. If someone next. To be fair, the H2K game versus Samson, I am going to boo Samson. I will outright say it. You don't like it. Sorry, that's your problem, not mine. Because I am rooting for for forgiven. I am rooting for H2K. During the game, if Samson makes a really good play, I'm probably going to groan. I'm probably going to be like, oh, come on. Ugh. Ugh, why? Um, Cause I'm rooting for forgiven to win. I have a vested interest in my in my life of I want to see a team be successful. I want to watch that team, and that's just how sports are in North America. We project whatever we want to on that team. We refer to our teams as our teams. It's our team. The Buffalo Bills is my team. When I refer to my team, when I refer to the Bills, I say, "Oh yeah, we didn't do so good this week," or "Oh man, we killed it this week." We I don't play on the team but it's still mine. It's a possessive of mine. That's where I think there's still a disconnect in esports, and that's why I don't think there is a lot of just blanket cheering, um, is that there isn't really, outside of the big teams, outside of TSM, outside of Cloud9, outside of CLG, there isn't really a possessiveness for Phoenix One. There isn't really a possessiveness for AHQ. There isn't a possessiveness for H2K. Granted, some of those brands are starting to get up there, but that's when you get the real the real hardcore cheering that's going to counter it. Um, and that's just not how American sports are. We don't cheer for everything. We cheer for what we want to cheer for, which is usually our favorite team doing well. Um, I would say that the chanting of TSM, TSM, I'm a TSM fan, the chanting of TSM, TSM over and over when they aren't playing irritates me more than anything. It actually really pisses me off because that's incredibly disrespectful to the teams that are physically on the pitch. Yeah, um, but I, yeah. If you don't like the booing, cheer louder than the booing. That's really all I have to say. Um, um,
0: yeah, I think that covers it. Uh, Rastadappy, uh, anything Riot could do to close the gap? Uh, cultivate challenger talent. Um, look, Korea is designed just by their cultural nature um, just to play competitive very well. That's how they get noticed. Most Korean pros are taken front straight from solo queue. Rather than from the LCK Challenger Series because they are seen as you know more able to be coached and molded you know they're rawer talent but they can be shaped into something whereas in North America either you get through the Challenger Series or you just get Koreans imported or foreigners imported or whatever else and so what happens is the best players in North America all get um, all get banned for Elo boosting and then suddenly you're without Challenger players in North America and the guys you're left with are nowhere near as good. You have to give people hope that they actually could get picked up and make it into the LCS. And so few players in North America drop out. Um, I, you know, and so many, you know, so few European players. You know, once you're a veteran, you tend to stick for a long time. Soaz is still playing League of Legends, despite all of our pleas for him to do the contrary over the course of the last year or two. You know, so it's hard. You know, and and I understand why players give up on the chase and end up just deciding to go to Elo boosting, whatever else. I know a few who did, and I I totally understand it. Um, But it's, you know, you, you gotta. Riot has to invest in making those changes. Riot has to make getting challenger worthwhile. They have to make the challenger series and striving towards that more worthwhile. And the only way they're going to do it, region locking, just stop the imports. It man. is. It,
1: just I it. mean,
0: uh, <laughs> you're, ta- you're ta-
1: Are you talking fewer. about region lock? As in, no one is allowed to come in. Or no fewer. I'd, creeps I'd creeps say.
0: In? I'd say one spot instead of two. Um, I, I. You have to do something because as long as as long the as gap gets so close. That, that's
1: the that that's like the problem. Is just the gap won't close if you if you just say oh you can't have more koreans like i two two is the limit two is the absolute limit but if you say if you said tomorrow okay you can you're only allowed to have one import just one import period and not have any grandfather clause no, the like you kill the north american competitive scene in terms of international competition they can't compete and it would take way too long for it to catch up and people will just give up on the game that's the catch 22 right here well, yeah. is
0: because it when 40% of your league is foreigners, people give up on the game, too. That's why, what was it, something like 40% of Challenger true. was banned with, from the ELO boosting? Yeah, like, but that's... Like, the sheer numbers that's, of it... That's, that's, that's two different arguments here. That's it's, literally Apple's ab- French argument. 100% of LCK players are Korean. 60% yeah. of North American LCS players are North American. And that's that's if you ignore the fact that a lot of these people were you know, grandfathered in, right? Like, we have people who are not North Americans who were grandfathered in preseason three. And that, and if you, you know, quote me the number now, watch the offseason, watch how the moves come in. It's getting more and more every year. It's rough. It's That's really rough.
1: Two-fifths two of the league will be imports. That is 100%. And what as is,
0: long as 40% of the, of the jobs available, of which there are only 50 at the LCS level... As long as that makes it 30 people. So you're either one of the 30 best players in the region or there's no reason for you to and, play the game.
1: And and that's, that's where I don't think it is a getting rid of the in, in, international imports. It is a you need to build up an amateur scene, which Riot has just failed to do since season three. They've been so focused on we need to build the LCS, we need to build the LCS, that they have just completely realized that they didn't build a supporting structure underneath it. That's why the teams constantly go to Koreans. That's why guys like Kyrian are getting shots here in the LCS. That's why guys like Proxen are getting shots in the LCS. There is no incentive for any player on the ladder to actually play to get into the LCS. Like you said, there isn't there is a monetary incentive for them to ELO boost. Yeah. There is a monetary incentive for them to stream. There is not enough of a monetary incentive for them to bust their butts practicing eight hours a day with expectations the exact same as LCS teams mm-hmm. for less salary on contracts that still to this day, 90% of them are garbage, and when you are getting issues like we're seeing with Dream Team happen that uh, James Obscura Chen reported for PvP Live, that they had issues playing, you know, paying players and all that stuff. That is a great point, Cargillicus. The the scouting thing is going to be interesting. I need to see how it actually works, and and whether any of those players actually get in, but that is a short-term temporary thing. We've only heard four or five teams in the LCS that are actually going to be there, that still doesn't change. That after that scouting combine happens, what do those players do? The challenger scene is a mess. It is terrible. It's awful. Playing in the challenger scene is also awesome, awful. From everything I've heard any challenger player talk to it about me or describe it, it is literally the same expectations of the LCS, the same practice hours. Some of them demand that you move into a gaming house and they use that gaming house to pay you less salary because of valuation on your contract. And Terrible contracts with massive buyouts that lock you into them, and not you're not getting enough money back to actually make it worth your time. And then you have teams that just come in and bring five, you know, LCS players, and in instead, and they just get one of the spots. And then da 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 da. It's just not taken seriously enough by Riot for it to actually be anything to help sustain the LCS. And the problem is, is that Riot just can't pull the rug out from under the LCS and tell all the teams, okay, well now you have to do all North American talent. There is not enough ta- North American talent. There are not 50 North American players good enough to not only compete against each other on a North American level and have it be high quality play, but then to go to the international stages. You think some of the Western teams are getting stomped now? If they went all North American players, maybe one team would be good enough to actually like potentially get to the quarterfinals. You would not have a level of play good enough to really compete on the world stage. It just It wouldn't happen because of mindset issues, because of practice and scrim set issues, just because the infrastructure is not set up there to support it. Just straight up, it's not set up for it, and the incentives aren't there. Because guess what? We're Americans. I won't even talk about Europe because Europe does okay. They've always had a decent, like, yeah. level of talent to replace. And maybe it's not S-tier talent, but it's still pretty good. Well, and, but the problem is... Well, the benefit
0: of... Just to talk... I'll talk about Europe really quickly. Yeah, go ahead. And then you can go back to NA real quick. But the reason why Europe has things a little differently and why they've been more uh, lucky at, at, and not, not lucky, but more able to develop regional talent is because they have tons of regional leagues. Uh, unlike yeah. North America, where there's one challenger league and that's it. Europe has a Spanish league, a Polish league, a French league, a German league. A, you know, all of these different leagues. They all play on EU West, which is an incredibly competitive ladder, and they all play, you know, either against each other at some of these, you know, online tournaments. There, there are things going on all the time um, in between, you know, to to qualify for the Challenger Series, but also just standard tournaments that give people a chance to compete on a level in which they can, you know, earn money, and it's like a stage and whatever else. they are online tournaments mostly, but there are a couple offline ones if you get far enough. And that makes a huge difference. And regionalized players have regionalized metas and it's a lot easier to scout in that way. And that makes a massive difference. Whereas right now you have the challenger teams that are worth it, Diam in the US. And then you have everyone else. And as Cargillicus uh, pointed out, you know, look at Zhao Wei Zhao. He was already an LCS player. He's still boosted for more money. Maybe you can fix that side of things by fixing the LCS the way that it looks like they're going to with all these NPA orgs coming in and, and bringing in that influx of cash with these angel investors and and you know whatever Bundesliga or you know whatever other soccer clubs come in to uh, the European league like all of this is in play but that's not going to stop the solo queue player who is looking at this and saying well if they're just going to import somebody anyway what's the point And I don't have an answer to that question. And you can do it by pumping more money into the challenger scene, but that's only still going to fix the people who are good enough to play in the challenger series. Like, that still only affects a a very small percentage of players, whereas Korea has been able to scout from all of solo queue. And that to me is the biggest difference. And I don't think pumping money into the challenger scene even is enough. I think there it there has to be a level at which you get these guys, at the very least, the kind of tournaments that we see when we look at Europe. But but you you've spent more time in the challenger series, so g- give me your process step by step. How do you fix this?
1: It needs there. We're Americans. We're driven by money. That's what it comes down to. The challenger scene needs to be enough of a financial incentive and have enough of a financial incentive for people to actually. Want to be it? It basically has to be a second LCS. They basically have to make it a second LCS. Maybe it has to be with you franchise 10 LCS teams and you tell them, okay, you all have a secondary challenger spot, fill it, and there's prize money based off of it, which teams take percentage of the prize money, so that's secondary revenue. I think that's the way they have to go because you cannot do a regional kind of based tournament structure like Europe does because they have very clear definitive borders established by regions. Mm-hmm. So they, by countries. So the Spain qualifier has a two thirds rule where two of your, or, th- or three, three fifths rule where three of your players must be Spanish citizens. They have to be Spanish citizens. And then you can have two other ones. You can't do that in the U S how do you verify that someone lives in Florida? Like, I can have a PO box in Florida. Okay, well, what's your street address? Uh, it's this address. How do I? P- Are you going to require them to send you a uh, a copy of your utility bill or something like that? Like picture of it's them just,
0: outside the mailbox. Just yeah,
1: like, it's it's just too difficult to do that in the United States because the United States is one country. Yeah,
0: so the and, only other and way and you can record, do it
1: is you just create a challenger league that actually operates at the same level that the LCS does. It just doesn't take you to worlds and it doesn't have the you, maybe you don't play live. Maybe that's the other thing. Is you just don't play live. That's entirely possible. Yeah. But you need to give the organizations that are in the Challenger League, you need to convince them that they need, to, they need to spend and invest the money into the players. And I think the easiest way to do that is to franchise the LCS team, tell them you all have a Challenger Series spot, and fill a team. Yeah. I think that's the, the only way that you could really save challenger-level talent. I don't yeah. think it's something that you can just go and pick people off of solo queue in North America because our, our solo queue is so different. And uh, I think it's Cargillus. Yeah, Cargillus tweet, uh, put it in chat, something that Thorin just tweeted, which I think is incredibly stout. And it says, says it all about Westerners that people in solo queue see an Aatrox ban Realize yeah. it's Faker, and dodge instead of playing the greatest player of all time. Yeah, That's why you can't go just pull people out of solo queue. That right there. But if they, they really they wanted to be the best, there. and a player really wanted to be in the LCS, and really wanted to win a world championship, you can bet your ass they'd want to play against Faker. If I ever got Faker in a game and I knew it was Faker, I would play in it just so I could tell my friends, I played against Faker and got my ass handed to me. It's this game right here. I can prove it's him.
0: He managed to kill me fifteen times in five minutes. I didn't even know that was possible with that. That
1: that right there is Thorin nails it right on the head. And the only thing that you can do to actually incentivize North Americans, not even I won't even include Canadians in it, Americans, dumb, ignorant white Americans, (laughs) is money, fame, power. Yeah. Right there, and. You can do money and you can do fame with League of Legends. That's about basically it. You can't you can't give them any power. There's no power in League of right.
0: Legends. Yeah, and I, Riot wouldn't give any up if they're like. So money and fame. It.
1: Money is the big the big thing you got to push. Yeah, and, and, and no and, team throws enough at it.
0: And franchising helps a lot. And I I like your idea of giving it to teams. You you'd have to drastically increase the stipend, and I think that you know, uh, that's just something that Riot's going to have to do anyway. They're trying to avoid it, but they're not going to be able to avoid it for very much longer. Um, but yeah, no, it, it, it does say a lot. I, I think the solo queue, you, you have to fix the mentality of North American solo queue. And, uh, and for the record, Rasta Duppy, uh, you asked if Riot should make an NA West and an NA East. The player base isn't big enough in North America. That's, yeah. that's the truth of no, it. Um, and, and for the record, no one plays on EU Nordic East is worth anything. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to EU Nordic East players, but if you're good, you play on EU West. That's just yeah. that's just what it's become. They'd rather be the think, worst. I think. I think
1: even the Russians play like the Russians even play on no. EU West. like, the, they the say it's do, like 70
0: pinks. The Turkish players do. I played like I scrimmed against. All, name the country that's in Europe. I've scrimmed against a player, uh, a team from that country, and we all play on EU West. Liechtenstein. Sure. Okay, I'm not sure where the <laughs> Liechtenstein esports scene is right now. I might I might have missed one along the way. But for the vast majority of them, Nailed it. they all play on EUS. That's where all their main yep. accounts are. And, and that's where it should be. Um, and, and, you know, sorry to EU Nordic East. I'm sure you guys have fun. If you're a casual player, you should absolutely play on the one that gives you better ping. But you, certainly, you know, Europe has a much bigger player base than North America does. Europe is the one chance they have where they really invest in uh, teams and invest in scouting. Uh, they could maybe pull things off with their solo queue mentality because Europeans wouldn't be dodging Faker, but North America things have gotten so bad that I think you're right; it has to come from an influx of challenger money. Um, Vatican City League team represent. I would love to see that. Um, I think you guys mentioned in chat earlier. Uh, while I wait for uh, to how, see if we're gonna get any more questions. Yeah. How I, How do you feel about all the NBA
1: orgs getting into the LCS now?
0: Oh, uh, wonderful! It's about time. Uh, yeah. These guys have money. They want to invest in in something that they believe is going to turn them a profit. It absolutely should turn them a profit. And I have no doubt that it will turn them a profit. And, you know, at the end of the day, more eyeballs getting put on League of Legends can only be a positive thing. Uh, And and more importantly, on esports in general, because they're not just buying League of Legends teams, they're buying organizations. You know, NRG is participating in so many different games, from Rocket League to Overwatch to... You know all the big boys like, you know they're building things and and people like Rick Fox. You know they you know Echo Fox is an org. They're not afraid to do what I mentioned earlier on the podcast, which is take a bunch of young players and whether it be in Counter Strike or in League of Legends and see if they can develop something. That's what. Yeah. That's that's not it for
1: that's not their Counter Strike team. Their Counter Strike team is a bunch of old vets that are all friends
0: last time I checked they had a couple of new guys. when I watched them at E-League and I know the rosters changed since then so I'm not going to pretend like I've kept up but when I watched them at E-League it was mostly inexperienced dudes and uh their star player who's the one I interviewed and whose name I'm forgetting and I'm so sorry whoever you are uh if you're listening uh and, and you know but it, that's I, I mean I think it's great and I and I agree Kirk Gillick, I think that you know the football clubs are going to be investing over there um They're going to have to, uh, you know, they're running boot camps, they're going to find new players. I mean, Schalke is still putting a lot of time and effort into the scene, even though they're a challenger team right now. Those are the kind of orgs you want, the kind of orgs that are in it for the long haul and have the money to take a short-term loss for a long-term benefit and really see what they can find. Because I can tell you right now, I've played a lot of teams on EU West. There are some really talented players playing on some really crappy teams right now. That are yep. just waiting to get noticed and waiting to get some money from it. And Europe has an even bigger pro- money problem than North America. But at least they have these regional leagues. They they have to care. And you know, RastaW, you, you know, you say you got the imports gotta get better faster. Wonderful. And and honestly, if that means that there are fewer imports because the teams are naturally finding better talent, even more wonderful. Let's get it going. Let's Let's become like China and import actual quality guys. Or more importantly, let's become like Korea and import Korean coaches. TSM, right now, best use of their money they can make this whole offseason. Offer uh, offer a million dollars for No fay to become your head coach for the next two years. <laughs> Just do it. Just do it right now. Rocks tie, I guarantee you Rox isn't going to match that offer. You'd have one of the best coaches in the world. He'd know how to drill your guys like Korean players. Just do it. Um, and if, if TSM doesn't have the money, some venture capitalist will. So that's what I'm we're looking forward to. Uh, do you have anything you want to add, Walter?
1: No, I uh, I'm I'm good with it. The more money that comes in, I think is the better. The fact that it's actual NBA owners and 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 the football owners is massive. I think that a lot of the changes that Riot's making um, and and are saying behind the scenes isn't because they're like, oh yeah, we're gonna make these changes because we're Riot and we want you know we're smart. It was. Listen, like we come from real leagues we come from real things how things operate this doesn't work this doesn't work this doesn't work and and the owners know they have a lot of a um, lot of leverage on riot. So I think a lot of the changes that we're gonna see in the offseason regarding the LCS um, is a is a product of really experienced sports ownership groups wanting to be involved and, and telling them, uh, You know, no, this is how things are going to run. Like, you can't get away with this. You can't get away with that. So um, I think it's all for the best, but they all have to make sure they hire really, really good people to run their organizations. Um, They have to treat it just like they do a real sport. Most owners in the NBA don't really deal with, like, day-to-day business decisions for their team. They hire a general manager. They hire coaches, and they say, all right, you have, you know, two years. Put together a playoff-caliber team. Okay. Okay. You know, four years out, I want to be contending for a championship, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll see. I don't think we'll have any issues with like contracts being paid or anything like that, but um, they, they are prone to turnover. So we may see a lot of players just get constantly turned over.
0: Uh, speaking of, uh, you know, contracts not being uh, an issue for them. Uh, contracts were the issue for us. Uh, Rasputin has asked for the death threat story. I feel like uh, I feel like I should let you lead on this one, mostly because I've been stealing all the questions up until this point. Um, why did we get so many death threats, Walter?
1: Oh, okay. I thought, I mean, you, you were the one that got death threats. I you didn't not get any death scene. threats. I didn't. I didn't receive any death threats over this. Um, <laughs> but that was because you were the one who posted it. But basically, <laughs> what happened? What was, happened uh, was this so you know the meme of like how did I this is the story of how I got here yeah. you're probably wondering how I got here well so basically what happened is we have to go all the way back to Ember uh, yes. and Ember's announcement that they're going to release all the contract info for all their players you know better players make better, better people make better players etc cetera, etc cetera, all that kind of bullshit that I just hate yeah. Uh, so they released their contracts. There was this whole discussion about releasing contracts and about what appropriate valuation was and all this stuff. Um, me being the influential member of the Challenger scene that I am uh, and knowing a bunch of people and players, uh, I had a bunch of contracts uh, to to high-end organizations. I had a CLG contract that belonged to Stixay at the time. I had a contract that uh, was from Cloud9 that belonged to one of their Challenger players. I had Fusion contracts... I had a Team Liquid Academy contract. I had a bunch of contracts um, that basically showed kind of how shitty the Challenger League was uh, and how players were getting screwed over because if you were offered money, you know, 500 bucks to play League of Legends professionally as a Challenger player, you're like, okay, fine, whatever, and didn't really care what you were signing. Um, so what we did is uh, Malixia, who was... The CEO of CLG and was like just named the CEO of CLG had made some comment where he he basically lambasted releasing contract details. Didn't think it was a good idea. Yada yada yada. All this. Uh, I told Chase, hey, let's you know we decided we wanted to talk about it because we run a very successful podcast and we are important people in the League of Legends world with a lot to say. And I said, listen, I, I have these contracts. Let's leak stick because this is a CLG contract and. He's kind of being a, uh, a hypocrite about this. Um, so we leaked the CLG contract and. Uh, uh, we got uh, a lot of threats about it. And then afterwards, we also released the, the Cloud9 Challenger contract just to kind of show some contrast and show we weren't biased. But then that pissed people off more because they're like, oh, why didn't you just release both of them at the same time? Why, you would have been left by it, blah, blah, blah. Um, Stixay came out and said he was kind of disturbed that someone had a copy of his contract. Melixia um, you know, a bunch of people basically said stuff and were trying to defend... CLG they came out and were like this was an old contract His contract has been
0: since renewed I'm like great that's for wonderful the record, that was Glad to exactly hear what that. we were hoping to hear like congratulations yeah. that cuz the contract was like was like it was bad it was less it was than really 700 dollars a month bad I still have it let yeah, me there, there are a few, I won't I mean, show it but I'll pull it up and and I mean you know. and for the record just to be clear we hid any personal details that could possibly you know any social security address whatever we were very careful with that um, yeah. You know, we didn't do anything that would put him in danger. The contracts had expired already, so it wasn't like it was anything that uh, yeah, it was, could it was, currently it was, affect him. It was over a year ago at the time. The whole point was to prove, hey, Melixia, you said you uh, you haven't seen anything like this that would make you feel like transparency would be a good idea? Bam! Here's something that proves that transparency is a good idea. And we started with that one because he was the one who would have been a hypocrite about it. Cloud9 had stayed silent. Uh, in retrospect, it would have been wonderful to see. Um, you know whether or not uh you know see both contracts at the same time you know we we had what we had when we had it, and you know my my only regret is how I framed it on reddit um i yeah it it distracted from the overall piece, which at the end of the day, like we spent more time bashing ember than we did on any other team including c l g and everyone thought mm-hmm. we were ganging up on CLG. And the other thing is I hadn't paid attention to the subreddit that week. Apparently there had just been a CLG, I guess, a gaff. I forget exactly what it was. It was okay, something people, hot, hot between Hotshot and double Doublelift. Yeah, it was something that didn't really matter. And I, I didn't think of it at the time, but people saw it as like we were jumping on some sort of hate train. So this is the point that matters. Um, I'm going to read to you. Uh, one of the comments I got I that the ones that said go die go fuck yourself go kill yourself those aren't funny so I didn't save those but I saved this one um quote tell me if I found your mom's nudes and your parents bank account info and published it on reddit then would it be called journalism because I did the same stuff as you in essence took someone's private info and posted it on the internet Daily Dot and other outlets aren't doing journalism. They are esports paparazzis. Journalism is when they talk to owners and coaches and then report, keyword report, not reveal. Uh, Apparently no one's learned what Watergate was and why it's so important for investigative journalism to exist. Uh, Not to mention the whole point about private info. Uh, We blocked all of the private info. It was only info that didn't affect him. Whereas my mom's new to my parents' bank account would probably be different. Um, But but let's continue forward, because the the grammar here gets fun. Uh, You nothing but a thief who stole someone private info. Just reading it as it says. Uh, But you are not only a thief, but a non-ethical person as well who never learned what morals were. IDK, maybe your parents or teacher never had a correct understanding of morals to begin with, and thus decided it would be okay to publish someone's private info on the Internet. If this was an honest mistake, then it is fine. I forgive you. Thank God I was really worried about his forgiveness. Uh, take it down and be very in the future. Not wary, be very in the future. Uh, if this was a conscious decision, then I, t- I suggest you talk to your parents and teachers and find out where you went wrong. Um, th- there was another one that was, um, you know. Th- th- I have a, f- I have a f- oh, here. Uh, I I had said, like, look, if it was really that big of a problem, they very easily could have contacted me. All my information is public. They didn't seem to have that big of a problem. Um, The response I got from another Reddit user, quote, uh, they they have other things to do besides arguing with paparazzis. Just because you can do it and get away with it doesn't mean it is ethical. That's how opportunist rapists think like. So um, I just want you to remember this. Whenever you're posting on Reddit or whenever you're looking at threads or whatever else and you worry, like, Mm -hmm are they going insane? Don't worry. They've always been insane. <laughs> they're just waiting for an true. opportunity. Uh, Very true. Those are, those are actual messages I have. Those were the most interesting ones. I, I, I saved them because they're so funny. Just so genuinely yeah. missing the point of what journalism is and everything else um, that I couldn't help. By the way, uh, Yardi0010, uh, who, uh, come, welcome back, man. I remember you from the previous stream. I don't think I saw you earlier today. Um, but I uh, I do love that you came in just in time for me to read those messages that I got on on, on Reddit uh, hopefully you at least saw the context beforehand so you don't think I'm just scrambling nonsense um, is the gap closing? no, it's widened um, we've never had three Korean teams in the semifinals before uh, Najin White Shield in season 4 was not as good as the teams that ended up beating them uh, in season 5 the Rocks Tigers finished second in their group uh, the, you know, Flash Wolves were the better team in the group stage. They ended up pulling it together, but you know, we, we have never had a dominance like this. We have never had all three Korean teams go three and o. Well, actually, no, Rock Tigers went three and one, I guess. Uh, and SKT went three and one. this I'm talking the, I'm talking in the group stage. They all three and o, three and o, three and one, and then three and o, three and one, three and one in the in the quarterfinals. Uh, this is dominant this is dominance unlike anything we have seen and this is after the korean exodus this is 2 years later and they're still that much better than the rest of the world um this is why we had that earlier conversation about um you know how do you fix the lcs cuz there're definitive issues and i think what we've learned is that uh you know money um you know <laughs> You throw money at the problem, well, then you're China. Guess what? China's not doing better than Korea right now. Um, you, we would have had this last year if not for the Korean team kill. No, they couldn't beat Flash Wolves, Rocks Tigers, in the group stage. They went 0-2 against them in the group stage. That's never happened. Uh, that has not happened to a Korean team this year. Uh, they are. It is a better performance, um, e- even if we're going um, pure results, uh, yeah, or, or even if we're looking subjectively in that regard. That Rocks Tigers team was not as good as Samsung Galaxy has looked so far. Now, granted, they turned it on in turn for the finals, but they were not as good as SKT in that finals. I think this will be a closer series than that one was. Um, Peanut said he went 0-6 against TSM. (laughs) Haha, scrims are funny. Um, Fun fun fact, uh, my Turkish team scrimmed one of the teams that was at Worlds. You can probably guess which one. Uh, We beat them 2-0. We didn't get our third game because they were so tilted. My team could not qualify for the Turkish professional team. Um, and yet we beat a team that went to Worlds so badly that they didn't want to continue scrimming us anymore. Scrims mean nothing. You can have a good day. You can have a bad day. It all matters what you do on the big stage. Unfortunately, with my players, that's when we looked our worst uh, with the team that made it to Worlds uh, and, and did quite well there, clearly. Uh, they play their best when the games mattered most. So, shout out to them. Um, one thing I will say, uh, if you want to close the gap, what you need to do is you need to start practicing like Koreans do. Koreans don't practice. You know, oh, did we win a game? Did we lose a game? Uh, that that zero six whatever. That doesn't matter because ROX wasn't scrimming against TSM to beat TSM. They were scrimming against TSM to test a particular thing. Does this champion work? Uh, does this type of you know? Can we control dragons? Can we you know in this game? Can we make sure we get every Baron in this game? Can we figure out how to place as many wards as possible in a shorter a period of time? Um, that's how, why you're supposed to scrim. It's not just to, to play well and be like, oh well, the team won today. Uh, you know, it's uh, you know that's just how it goes. Um, and, and you know, you could say like, oh man, people should never you know some of the Car, Car- is bringing up why would someone uh... you know if my ass, if i was going to ask it to me i'd want to keep scrimming them it's, you're taking out the personal emotions there which is what happens when you're playing just to see are we better than x team um... and that's the problem with how europe and north america scrim right now that when you play am i better than x team on this day uh... then you're going to get disappointed and tilt and tilt and you're going to be so frustrated that you're not going to be able to absorb what's coming in if you go in with a lesson and a goal to achieve then whether or not you won the game doesn't matter, and that's how Korea practices, and that's why they're so good at very specific th- things for each of these teams, and it's why North America and Europe have struggled in that regard because they don't practice that way. But trust me, um, you know, GG go next is something that happens in uh, North America and Europe scrims and Korean solo queue instead of the other way around. Uh, it's it's. It's really just a, a messed-up system, and they're going to need to fix that going forward, undoubtedly. Um, do you have anything you want to add, Walter? No. Um, nope. Gap hasn't closed. Haven't closed. Yeah. I uh, I want it to close, but uh, who knows? Now there are a whole bunch of StarCraft players who need places to go, so we might see some new talent coming into the scene. <laughs> I would have left earlier. I think they'll Why move on to. Uh, I think they'll move on to Overwatch. Which is a completely different type of game. I saw Myung-sik playing on an Overwatch team, which is the funniest thing I've heard in a long time. Because if you know anything about Korean StarCraft, you know that Myung-sik is one of the most controversial players. Um, He doesn't get along with pretty much anybody. So the idea that he is now playing on a pure team esport is the funniest thing I have heard. Uh, I would love Unicorn. You want to do me a solid. I'm already sad about uh, Korea. Um, and, and how the Pro League is going, whatever else. Give me a solid. Give me an over-under on number of days until six team disbands. That's all I want. I will bet the under on whatever number you throw out there. I promise you. Uh, it's not, That cannot end well. Um, I think that's it for questions. Are you seeing anything else, Walter?
1: No, I, I haven't seen anything else. That was about it.
0: Yeah, well... That was about it thank you guys so much for tuning into the stream as always really appreciate it um i'm not sure whether we'll release this q a to everybody uh this might just have been a special treat for you guys um we'll figure that Probably. out later um if you missed anything over the course of this please do check out the vods and twitch stuff whatever you, you guys can see all our info you know where to go <laughs> by this point you guys are the diehards you guys are the reason that we do live streams and uh we appreciate you guys very much um And the one last thing I will say, uh, a couple of you guys asked last week if you can meet up with us in New York. uh, If you want to meet up with us while we're in Madison Square Garden, Uh, happy to meet with you guys in between games, maybe even before games. Uh, My cousin is my first priority, but I would be happy to say hi or at least let you know where uh, my seats are so you can come say hi. Uh, Just message us on Twitter. Uh, That's the easiest way to get a hold of us. you know. I'll, I'll tweet
1: I'll tweet out where my seats are, and, yeah. and but my, like, if I'm going to a bar or something afterwards, like
0: yeah, feel free to tweet at us. Oh, here, uh, more likely to retire. West Door or Medios. Yes. The answer is yes. yes to that question. <laughs> the answer is yes. And, and we Westdor will
1: come back next. in the summer.
0: What? No, Westdor will come back. He'll just be playing for a different team because AHQ can't do it again. They've got Chawi. They need to start him. Um, or else Chawi will leave and they'll... Then they'll start Western. That's the those are the two ways it's going down. Medios is absolutely retiring. He can make more money streaming. There's no need to do this again. Oh man, Cargelicus! It's 4:30 a.m. You're the man. Shout out to you. Shout out to all of you guys. Um, thank you guys. You're so Damn, nice. Yeah, I I appreciate it. Um, we will be back uh, after the semifinals. We're going to do another live stream. Do you just want to say Tuesday 8:30 uh, Eastern time, like today? sure let's do that. tuesday 8:30. let's lock that shit in that way people who are listening actually know to prepare a week in advance so maybe uh maybe we won't have people coming in halfway through like wait a second what what the what the hell you guys are streaming i totally forgot <laughs> um so yeah, yeah Rasta Duffy knows what i'm talking about so thank you guys so much uh it's a pleasure as always i'm glad you guys enjoy the show uh we love giving the people what they want uh you want to have anything to say to the nice people at home before we send out walter
1: We'll see God giving it Worlds, World Championship, God versus God.
0: It would be fun. I, I would be glad to be wrong on uh, on how that goes. Uh, we will see. Uh, in the meantime, this has been the Rough Jazz Podcast. Goodbye, Internet.